The opinions expressed in the Shutter Sports podcast are individual and are not necessarily representative of Spirit Live or Toronto Metropolitan University. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to the Shutter Sports podcast. I'm your host, Eli, and today I'm joined by Clint Householder and Katie LeBoudelaire. From the Little Leagues to the pros. This is your weekly sports show. Welcome to the Shutter Sports podcast. Take a seat at the table as we discuss. On today's episode, we will be discussing the Toronto Blue Jays offseason. Today, we'll talk about coaching and management changes, new players signed, and moves that weren't made. Here's how today's episode will work. We'll go around the table and answer the biggest questions that Jays fans have and maybe answer, where do the Jays go from here? Whether you agree or disagree, we invite you to join the discussion on Instagram at Shutter Sports Media or on Twitter at Shutter Sports M. Alrighty, first up, let's start quickly with coaching and management moves made at the beginning of the offseason. I'm going to throw it over to you, Katie, to talk about third base coach Louis Rivera out for Carlos Febbles and associate manager DeMarlo Hale. All right. So I like the coaching changes and management moves aren't really big. I know some people would have wanted John Schneider out. Luis Rivera is out, and I know some people might be happy about that. Not like a lot of the players listen to him at third anyway. I feel like most people see the stop sign and just keep running. Yeah. Um, but maybe some change on that end will help. And then associate manager, I don't think that'll make a big change. So Jays didn't do much, even though I know some of the fans probably wanted them to change up their front office and coaching staff a little bit. But that's all I really have to say about that. I don't know. Uh, Luis Rivera retired, I believe. So I, I understand that change. And obviously, first base coaches and third base coaches need good chemistry with the team. Um, but I feel like you can get that with most coaches you find in baseball, especially uh, base coaches as they're not controlling too much. Associate manager, I don't know too much about the new guy. I was just a little upset uh, with the choice to keep the same hitting coach. Uh, last season, they had many offensive problems, and they went with the decision to keep Guillermo Martinez um, in the staff. What do you think about that, Clint? I mean, like obviously, like their hitting was a, a major problem or part of their collapse in the playoffs, and I think that was an area that they should have looked to improve. And like as we're going to talk about later, they didn't do it a lot, like by gaining bats. So an area that they could have looked was like in the coaching to to help like train the players that they do have better. And I was a little disappointed that they didn't at least do that because I don't think their later moves were the greatest. Alrighty, so let's talk a bit about the players they did sign this off season. Um, and we'll start with the re-signing of Kevin Kiermaier. Honestly, I like the move. He's, he plays great defense in center field. Like, he's not a, a huge impact bat, but he, he was good for the chemistry last year. I was surprised that they got him back. I thought he was a Yankee, like, at the end of the, the year. I was I was certain that he was going to leave. So I'm, I'm really happy to have him back. I think he's a he's a great, great piece. He doesn't, like, improve the team upon last year, but it also helps us from, like, not being worse defensively. Yeah, I definitely like him. He's, like, a lock in the outfield. You, like, greatly improve your outfield. It's going to be good. He doesn't make errors, and he makes the catches that no one else would make yeah and it's rare that you get a guy who's like so willing to bat in the nine hole and actually do a very good job of it like he was one of the better hitters sometimes and like be, to be able to turn that lineup over and hopefully get your big bats at the top of the lineup it's a good move yeah he's a guy with four-time gold gloves uh, a platinum glove uh, a career war of 3.55 and that is almost all defensively and then last season he had an ops plus of above 100 meaning he was above average hitter and that's not even what they're signing for so I thought it was a great re-signing uh, he kind of holds that outfield together I find and just makes everybody look better Alrighty, for our next discussion we will be discussing a new signing 
Coming from the New York Yankees, Isaiah Kiner-Falefa. I don't really know what was up with this one. It seemed like a very, very weird fit. They have enough infielders. The Kevin Biggio's right there. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you, you want another guy who can do everything just like, a little bit worse at some positions. Yeah, like they don't need another utility guy who's primarily second baseman and isn't really a great hitter. Like they have plenty. <laughs> yeah, and they already had wit. Like I think it would have made more sense. Like they had wit. Sorry, it would have yeah. made more sense just to re-sign him. Like he's already known in the in the uh, in the clubhouse. The one thing about this move though that I think opens up like more possibilities is like now they they could trade i've seen like schneider thrown around i've seen santiago espinal thrown around in trades and like now it opens that up if they want to trade those guys and they have someone that can like play second base on a regular basis and they can like look to improve their their lineup elsewhere but i don't think it's like a real game changer for their uh yeah. their offseason it's not like a huge impact move i don't know it's weird to acquire, acquire him as like a trade piece too like during the offseason like just seems like a waste of money. Yeah, but <laughs> the guy's war was 0.1, so you're not signing him for his offense. His no, OPS plus was 78, so you're not, or I guess you're not signing him for his defense or his offense. No, it's, um, just, it's a weird move altogether. He won the Heart and Hustle Award in New York, um, but uh, I don't see how that's going to help you. He's going to help the clubhouse. He's a clubhouse guy. He's going to sit there smiling, like big, bright smile, but we don't <laughs> need smiles on the bench. We need runs on the board. He's got big heart. Bring back Kawasaki if we want smiles on the bench. <laughs> The next signing we will be discussing this offseason is one of my favorites, and that is Justin Turner. I mean, I like the move. It's, it's a good, always good to add a veteran bat to the lineup, and like he kind of replaces Belt. Like I don't know if they're going to re- end up re-signing Belt too, but he kind of replaces Belt, but from the right side. He, he had a really good year last year in Boston, and like he's, he's of course got the pedigree like that he, when he played in, in L.A. So like he's he shown that he can do stuff in the playoffs. He's shown, shown that he's a consistent bat, and it's always good to add those. Yeah, exactly. Like He has the experience too. Like No one on this team, being so young, they haven't gone very far in the playoffs, so it would be nice to have someone who's maybe gone past the wild card and hopefully he can lead this team to a further run yeah we've seen a lot of people complain like he's old he's washed his ops hasn't dropped below 788 in the last nine or ten years i want to say and his last year's ops at 800 would have been one of the best on the teams of uh players who had 400 at bats at least uh we know brandon belt obviously had a great year when he was hitting uh but he was a platoon guy and didn't get too much time uh the other thing i like about justin turner is he slugs against lefties the jays for some reason even though mostly being a righty bat team had trouble against lefties which is something you don't want to see and justin turner takes advantage of it uh you can see the ball better as a righty against a lefty and he his slugging percentage goes up increasingly against lefties i think he's also a good like right-handed bat to mentor like like the younger guys like bichette and, and vladdy like help them with their struggles against left left-handed bat- batters or left-handed pitchers so, rather sorry yeah i would say as long as his ops probably stays above 780 i feel like he's the kind of guy who will still get above 20 home runs around 100 rbis and be a perfect fit for a one-year rental at third base as the jays look to call up some prospects in the future and going to the old thing like that's what everyone said when belt came and then everyone loved him so like Toronto fans really just need to calm down and let the season happen because I feel like that's the biggest thing with like Toronto fans at any sport they're just so quick to hate everything like just maybe let see how it goes and I just marketed him as a third baseman but I realized I think they're going to be using him as a DH uh, but he also played second base last year which I'd love to see a bit more of um, and then also he can play first base if Vladdy ever gets injured or needs a rest day he's just a kind of good utility guy to have in that infield finally we have Yarel Rodriguez who has no MLB experience uh, but he's played a bit in Japan and Korea and I believe the Cuban League he's kind of been everywhere and his stats are really interesting what are his stats for the fans It's a little confusing to read as it jumps around from where he was, but the major idea 
is in his last two seasons, his ERA has been under two. That's a good number. I, I <laughs> That's a very good number. <laughs> I believe he won the like the Cuban setup pitcher of the year uh, last year. I could be wrong, but I believe that was the the award he won. I know he won a relief pitching award last year, and I know he has like I think I believe he has spent time pit like starting earlier, but he's moved to like more of a, a bullpen role like as as of recent years. He should help. The one thing I'm a little concerned on is it's like a five year deal, so they're really like gambling that he will be good. So it'll either be a great deal or a terrible deal, and like hopefully it's it's the earlier one. But yeah, I mean any deal to change up that bullpen should be good for the Jays. Like something needs to happen there, and I mean we've seen pitchers come to the Jays and be better after. We, our pitching coaches are pretty good. We have taken that gamble with other pitchers and it's not panned out. Rio got injured, which we'll talk about later, I'm sure. But uh, I like it. I hope it'll be good. I see it panning out, maybe. Yeah, in 56 games, having a 1.15 ERA and a 0.91 whip, even in the Japanese league, uh, we've seen a lot of success from these guys. We saw Yamamoto come over this offseason. We saw guys like Cody Seng... Senga just a few years ago, um, and nobody seems to be having too many issues or problems yet. Uh, the level in, of baseball in Japan and Korea is so high. Yeah, I just think it's a great signing overall for the team. So that wraps it up for the Jays' most important signings. They signed a lot of guys to some minor league contracts or invited them out to spring training, but that's not overly important that we need to discuss it on a 25-minute podcast. So now we'll be discussing the moves the Jays didn't make. And I'm going to start this by saying we're not talking about Otani. I don't think Think he was ever really going to come to the Jays. We were a leverage for the Dodgers. So let's just cut him out of this conversation because I'm tired of hearing Jays fans go, we didn't get Otani. Atkins sucks at his job. Like, no, he wasn't coming to Toronto. Um, So let's start with you, Clint, about a few players you're hoping to see in Toronto and it doesn't look like they're going to be coming. I just like to start first, like on the, the Atkins thing and people like complaining that, that he didn't get Otani. My like issue with it isn't that he didn't get Otani. It's that like he was, I feel like he was so focused on getting Otani when like Otani never really wanted to come here and was just using us as leverage. And then he was so focused. And then by the time that Otani like signed somewhere else, then he was like already late on negotiating with everyone else. And then he wasn't, wasn't able to get any like the next level guys. Like I know Bellinger's still out there and like, obviously that's one that I, I think could be like a big impact for the Jays but like I don't know where they slot him in because like they already have the outfield spots locked up with Kiermaier, Springer and uh and Varsho so I don't know where they would really slot him in they have a DH like with Turner now so it seems like that ship's kind of sailed and he plays first too but but you already have Vladdy so it's like every spot that that Bellinger plays is already like taken up on the Jays and like though I think he would be an upgrade I feel like that ship's kind of sailed I don't know I would have liked Bellinger instead of kind of Falefa or instead of Turner like yeah he kind of fits that spot I like Turner, but if they were going to do that, they would have had to do it before they got either of those guys, I feel like. Now it just isn't a good fit, but I would have liked to have Bellinger for sure. Yeah, Bellinger would have been a great signing. Obviously, he's had his ups and downs throughout his career, but he's mainly been on his ups, and I have a feeling he'll stay there now that he's kind of more established himself in the league. He's an amazing defender. Like I don't think they play him in the outfield too much anymore. He's had shoulder issues. He can dislocate his shoulder fairly easily, Um, but he's one of the best first basemen in the league. Vladdy is one of the worst first basemen in the league. I would have maybe even liked to see a possible transition of Vladdy back to third. I know he didn't play too well in his original season, um, but if you're bringing in a big bat like that, it could have made a difference possibly. He's a lefty, which also the Jays are really looking for, but he was asking for, and he still is asking for way too much money. I just like to say, if the Jays don't get him, I hope he goes back to the Cubs. I liked him there. I see him resigning with the Cubs. He likes his uh, white and blue mixed in with a little bit of red. Sure does. <laughs> 
one player I wanted them to target uh, was Jock Peterson. He's, he can't, he's kinda, the budget like, Bellinger. That exactly. It's like the budget <laughs> Bellinger. He's a, he's a power lefty bat. Like I know his stats last season weren't the greatest, but like he, he's he's proven. And like that lineup last year in San Francisco wasn't like the greatest. So uh, like I think in in Toronto, like on paper, it should be a better lineup, and he should be able to like shouldn't be targeted as much by the opposing pitchers, and he should be able to like hit later and really have an impact. I thought if Bellinger was asking for too much money, Peterson was a great option for them. I think his OPS was around 750 last season. Um, he still hits home runs. He's a very positive guy. You never hear about issues with Jock in the clubhouse, which I think is something important still for this season to keep the flow of things right. Um, but I thought that would have been another lefty bat that could have been important. I also thought Jorge Soler, even though he's a righty, would have been a great acquisition, um, but he just got locked up by the San Francisco Giants. Another former Cub. Soler played with Cubs? Yeah. He did. Series he did. Yeah. I mean, I would have, like... He was good, and even last season in 500 appearance, he batted 250, which, like, for the Jays, not bad. Um, But I find him to be, just from watching him sometimes, quite inconsistent. Like, I don't know. So are all the Jays, though, so, like, we're used to it. I don't think he was the best fit. Like, I know he would just be a DH, but they seem to, with all the utility players they have, move around DH a lot anyway. And so I don't think the Jays are ever going to be a team that just has one singular DH. So, I don't know. It would have been interesting to see on the Jays, but I don't know if it would have been the right fit. Yeah, um... He's been an inconsistent guy throughout his career. He's had years where he's had 48 home runs. Last season, he had 36. Um, But over the last few seasons, he's been consistently fairly good. And I don't think you're ever signing that guy to be consistent. You're signing him because he mashes um, and he hits home runs when he does play. Yeah, and he has moved around a lot, too. Yeah, he had that great World Series run with Atlanta. Interesting career for him, honestly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm honestly a bit of a Marlins fan, too. So, like, I watched him (laughs) last year, and, like, he was, like, one of the best hitters on the Marlins. Marlins like Arise was like the, the contact guy he was on all the time but like when they needed like a home run like Soler came in clutch a lot of times and I, I, I wanted that in Toronto I know he's on like a little bit of a bigger deal now that he's in San Francisco than what the Jays opted for signing with, with Turner but I feel like he really could have made an impact and like he could have been the power bat that I was hoping Chapman was going to be but um so let's talk a bit about where the Jays are going from here this season because we've seen guys like Bo and Vlad their contracts expire in 2026 and these are two guys that Jays fans seem to just not understand are going to be signed on massive contracts and it's going to be tough for the Jays to put both of them out at the same time. Um, I think if the Jays don't make improvements this season we're going to see at least one or both of them walk um, for money or for also winning. You want to win in the playoffs throughout your career and the Jays haven't made it past a wild card game with them. So what do you think the Jays are doing from here to try to keep Vlad and Bo to stay in Toronto? It is hard to try and keep them but also try and compete because you have to do save you do have to kind of save that money for when that you do want them to resign but you also have to get some guys and try and get some playoff pushes and runs before then they have to make it past the wild card to keep those guys otherwise I think they are going to walk they're seeing no improvement but if I can go on my rant for Toronto fans are the worst at anything hit it Toronto fans are the worst I want to hear all about this they just have zero patience if you're in Toronto, you have to be winning. They have no patience for a rebuild, so no team in Toronto is ever going to be good or make it fast past the first round. This applies to hockey. This applies to baseball. If you don't rebuild, you're not going to go anywhere. And they just don't have the patience to rebuild because the fans are at their throats if they don't do well. And so no team could ever rebuild in Toronto. You have a losing season, you're losing all of your fans because they're all casuals because for most times, it's the only professional league in Canada is in Toronto. So you have like the entire province and the entire country behind your back, which can be really good. We've seen players love that. However, the pressure and the lack of patience from the fan because they're all casuals is just too much for a lot of players and a lot of teams. 
they just face so much pushback because there's zero patients in Toronto. I think that could also be like part of a reason why like none of these like big impact bats are signing in Toronto because it's just it's a pressure zone like the the fans are always like super critical of, of the players like they're sometimes like they're so like oh we love we love this guy and then it's like they they suck for a week and it's like this guy's the worst player on our team like I actually hate him can we trade him it's like it's just like such you, a such you a, see that everywhere though I feel like it's like a like, lot in Toronto intense. though look no but look at Trey Turner in the Phillies the man was getting booed and booed and booed yeah, until one day until one day. This, they decided, you know what? Let's see what happens when we give him a standing ovation as he comes up to bat. And he went on an absolute tear. But what is the Toronto what, the States? When was the last time that like Jays fans or like Leafs fans or any of them like turned while a player was still struggling? Like I like I was at the Samsonov game when he came back, and they weren't cheering until after he started making saves. I don't like I don't see issues with Jays fans once the players on the field. Die no, behind. they don't boo, yeah. but they are in every comment section just hating on their own yeah. team. Like maybe be supportive. I feel like that's every comment section, yeah. though. Uh, yeah. There's just no patience in Toronto. Like they, they, we do, Jays fans do have no patience to let a team rebuild and let a team function and let a team get to a point where they can win. But at the same time, I don't always agree with the moves Atkins is making yeah. right now to win. I find the lineup is very similar to last season, and 92 wins won't cut it. Uh, right now, the Jays are ranked 10th in the power rankings, and that has them... And over the entire league, and that has them missing the playoffs. Yeah. You're in an awful division to be in right now. You have the Rays, you have the Orioles, you have the Yankees. Boston has made no be, moves this, this season. Year. Boston's going to be <laughs> absolutely can, abysmal. Yeah. They got Von Grissom, guys. <laughs> this is about to be one of the worst years in Boston we've seen in a while, which is a winning franchise. Sad for them to see that they've kind of... Because they have no direction right now. Yeah. Maybe they, they'll actually rebuild. I don't know. I You're going to rebuild with Trevor's story <laughs> on your 10-year contract. Raphael Devers expiring soon. Well, it, it'll be a short rebuild. <laughs> just a down year so they can hopefully go up. I wouldn't be surprised if they're like more competitive than than you're giving them credit. Like, yeah, I think, I think so. I think Costas is really good at first base. And like I think for the end of the season, he was better than Vladdy was at the end of the year, if, I, if, I'm, if I'm not wrong. He but, definitely was. Yeah. Like, if you're and, playing in Boston, you always have a chance. Yeah, and like Devers is... Is good and like a lot of their good guys are lefties and like it's easier to hit a home run in, in Boston because like the the pesky poles like it's easier for lefties so I don't know I I don't I don't think they're a good team like I don't think they'll actually compete for the playoffs but like I wouldn't treat them as an as an easy win and talking about the Jays rebuild really quick like it should have gone into full swing in 2019 like they held on to smoke and other players for like far too long yeah. it should have been a full rebuild when you got Biggio Bichette and Vladdy coming up but they were so excited about these prospects like oh they'll lead us to win they're 20. They're yeah. not going to lead you to a championship. And now they're all 25, 27. They never rebuilded, and now it's too late because they're going to lose all the players that they were supposed to rebuild around. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, I think the only guy in recent memory I've seen that came up and immediately pretty much, like, not the only person, but got his team to a championship um, was Juan Soto, and he is one of the best hitters in baseball. A lot of the guys we're discussing right now haven't shown many defensive cares in the world at all. Yeah. Uh, and that's a major issue I see with the Jays too, is yes, they had trouble hitting last season, um, but their infield is going to be abysmal this year. Flatty, one of the worst first basemen in baseball. Second base. Who's starting there? Who do we want to say? Kevin Biggio. It's not Kevin Bijou. I'm going... Davis Schneider. I think it's going to be Davis Schneider to start the year. Nothing special, but he's not a weakness. Bo Bichette, Bit of a next to Matt Chapman, next to one of the best third basemen in the league, looks awful. What do you think happens when you stick Kiner Falefa 
and Bo Bichette next to each other. Or even Turner. Like, yeah. He won't be there, but... Honestly, teams could bunt it up the... Bunt it right to Boba Shett, and he'd make a sailing throw each time. He tries to play hero too often. He, when you watch him play, yeah, he looks good when he makes the play, but you watch a proper shortstop, and they make that play easily yeah. because they actually get to the ball, and it's a routine play. I don't care. I don't want to see him backhand and see his hair flow in the wind, and he makes this cool jump throw. I want to see him get to the ground ball beforehand, plant, and throw. Like, it drives me crazy watching him play because half the plays that we see the Jays repost on Instagram or repost on Twitter are plays that every shortstop should be making much easier. He's yeah. the Kevin Pillar of the infield. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, great take. The outfield should be really good, though. Like, that yeah, should be one the of ball, the when best. When the ball rolls all the way to the outfield, yeah, when it, we'll get it in quick. When the single rolls to Varsho and left. Alrighty, to quickly wrap things up, we're going to just talk about where we see the Jays ending in the AL East this year. Um, and we'll start with Clint on that. I'm going to go like third, maybe fourth in the division. I know like Tampa was better than them this year, but um, like McClanahan's out for a while and like we don't know what's going on with Franco. Like he won't be there all year. And like they, I know they have some like younger pieces coming up the middle, but I don't know if they're like proven yet. Like I don't think, I don't think you can like, like the Jays did that with like Boba Shett and Vladdy when they came up or they're like relying on a young player to like carry them. And I just don't think that's a, a great like, idea so I, I think the jays could be a- ahead of them but again it's the rays like you can't ever predict the rays to be bad like still they still have randy's they still have yondi so i could see that being like a flip-flop i feel like the, the three to four race will be close but i don't see the jays being better than baltimore or new york like i just i feel like like the yankees like they added soto and i feel like that's just like such an impact bat for the yankees the cheat code when you add a, another big lefty bat to Yankees yeah. Stadium, like like Soto and Judge together, it's like a better combo than like I think any anyone on the Jays like on the hitting side like by far, and then like pitching wise, like Garrett Cole's still better, and I I like Nestor and like I don't know I feel like, I feel like they're a better team, and then like also like the Orioles like they were the best team in the AL last year in the regular season, and then they added Corbin Burns like I don't think they're gonna be above them. They added a closer too, didn't they? Who did they get? I don't know if they did. I know that uh, like Batista's out this year. I don't know who they brought in to replace him. But my one thing with the Orioles is they're young. Like last season was not exactly supposed to happen that way. Like they overachieved for sure, and we'll see how like with the Jays they could not consistently overachieve. And so I know they added a lot in the off season, but AL East is always a flip flop between like fourth and second. Yeah, I just feel like Baltimore like they have a lot of young pieces that are like key contributors for them, but they also have like some veteran presences like Mountcastle and like yeah. Hayes and them and, and Santander in the locker room and I just feel like they're just a better team all around and like their their bullpen was good last year. Like I know they had Batista. I, I believe he's out all year. Mm-hmm. So that's like a key loss, but like I don't know, they should be a good enough team that that shouldn't like really tank their season. Red Sox are going to be terrible. I have no doubt in my mind that they have a lot of good young talent, but that team has no pitching staff now, they're not going to be good. Next, I'm going to talk about the Rays. I think they are a bit overhyped, and but, but I'm not going to put this out there that they're going to come forth. We've just, we've seen in the past a lot of times the Rays are um, under-talked about and then they go on to make it very deep in the playoffs. But this season I think is different. I don't see them making it too far. I also think the Yankees are being talked about slightly too much. Time and time again, we hear the Yankees are supposed to be better than the Jays. The Yankees are supposed to be better than the Jays. But the Yankees seem to be failing in the past 10 years. They always have problems with injuries, and I think that's going to be the same thing that we see this season. I think I've talked enough about the Jays. I can see them ending up in the 
fourth, third, or second spot. And the Orioles are ultimately the best team in the AL East. They dominated last season with such a young team. They now have playoff experience. I think the Orioles are going to be on top easily. I'm not even like set on first. Like I think Boston probably will come last, but in this division, it you never know who's going to come first. And I feel like Baltimore was a surprise last year, but who knows what they're going to do this year. Um, I know they definitely reinforced and they will be good. Um, but again, it's a dogfight of a division, and I think anyone could come first to fourth. With less games within your own division now, it might be a little easier to find like who's the better team as the season progresses, because you're not like just fighting against your own division the whole time. But yeah. saying that, I'm with Clint on like three or four probably for the Jays. Yeah. Hopefully a wild card appearance, but who knows at this point. Alrighty, we talked about some of the Jays re-signings and Kevin Kiermeyer. We talked about some new signings and guys like Justin Turner, Isaiah Kiner-Falefa, and Yarrell Rodriguez, along with guys we thought they missed, and also where we see the Jays going from here. It's been a lovely episode, so I'd like to thank you for joining us on the Shutter Sports Podcast. Be sure to follow slash subscribe wherever you find your podcast, and don't be shy to join the discussion on any platform at Shutter Sports Media. Till next time. I'm your host, Eli, joined by Clint Householder and Katie LaBoudelaire. And this has been the Shutter Sports Podcast.